You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet. To get an isolation with the with the linebacker. Come the tackle, to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not, to drive down on the first man to his inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside the great Paul Brettel. It's funny, I was sitting here going, man, Paul's never late. Maybe something came up. I go and check the DM. I went, oh, yeah, I didn't send him the link. So there you go. <laughs> but, Paul, we see, man, you you got the uh, the fresh haircut there. You're ready for week 18, aren't you, buddy? Yeah, I did. Got it a few days ago. I'm that guy who gets his haircut probably like six, sometimes even eight weeks, probably past what I should. But we eventually got around to it. <laughs> Good stuff. I'll tell you, we're, we're definitely different in that regard. If I don't get mine cut every two weeks, I feel like a pumpkin head. When you got a melon like mine, you've got to try to keep it completely off the sides. But um, nonetheless, man, what a great, what a great win in, in Minneapolis, Paul. That was okay. that was so much fun to watch. Sitting there thinking, okay, you know, let's, let's somehow, some way, come out of here with a win. And by the third quarter, it was it was just like, okay, this one's in the bag. We did our chalk talk episode last night, and we were laughing about it. it's the first time all year we didn't show a single play from the fourth quarter. Man, it was. It was a relief, but uh, what did you think about that big win out there in Minneapolis? I mean, yeah, like you said, a relief, incredibly impressive on both sides of the ball. And right after each game, I do my instant takeaways, just quick bullet form, you know, like it says, instant takeaways. And I had that thing wrapped up with like eight minutes left, seven (laughs) minutes left in the fourth quarter, because basically by that point, everything had kind of played out up until that point. So a stress-free one where there's been several where, got to go back and do a little reworking on them given how the game's going but I'll start with the defensive side of the ball no Jair no Eric Stokes a really impressive performance from Corey Ballantyne Carrington Valentine, and Ballantyne specifically I think the numbers were three receptions on nine targets for 33 yards two forced incompletions like just being able to step in there on short notice and I had the chance to talk to him this was after the Chiefs game but I think it still carries over well from a preparation standpoint. You know, this is his fifth year in the league. You know, I know from an experience standpoint, he's on a bit of the younger side, but he's been around. So in terms of the preparation, 
um, getting ready to play each week, you know, he goes through the same process. I also asked him about his, his play style. Uh, cause he's not just in this game, but in general, he's done a really good job of challenging wide receivers being around the ball to at least make the catch difficult. And for him, he said, that's a part of his game. I think we see that too in the, the, the run game as well, just his willingness, his, his ability as a tackler to help out in that regard, but really sound performance from those two. But I think a key contributor to that performance was the play up front. I mean, they Packers were excellent at getting after the Vikings quarterbacks. I think next gen stats had that hall and Mullins were pressured on 50% of their dropbacks, which wow. is a, an absurd rate. Like once you start getting over 40%, you're like, okay, they had a good game that week. When you get 50 plus, you had a really, really impressive game. Like those guys were not comfortable from the beginning of game to the end. They were hurried, generated two takeaways from it. The Preston Smith strip sack, uh, Jaron Hall's rush throw, Kenny Clark was closing in on him. So just a really well done performance by the pass rush. And Joe Barry this gives a little bit of credit to Joe Barry for the blitzes that he dialed up. And it's not that he just dialed up blitzes like the Packers have done. They've blitzed this season. It's not as if that was brand new, but how many times have we seen Keyshawn Nixon come on a blitz? How many times have we seen both middle linebackers come on a blitz? Like there was some variation to what was going on and they were able to generate uh, pressure that way, which again, definitely benefited the secondary and just collectively for that defense. It just felt like they were so much on the same page. Like there were those crossing routes from the Minnesota Vikings receivers and in the Packers zone coverages, like they were just passing them off, you know, seamlessly like, Hey, it's week 17. We've been doing this all year type of thing. So just really, really sound performance where all 11 guys weren't trying to do too much and not to take away from their performance. But when you get all 11 guys on the same page, executing on what their specific responsibilities are, not trying to go above and beyond that. I think you get a performance pretty similar to what we saw just from that defense collectively against Minnesota. Last thing I'll say just briefly on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, Jordan Love, man, goodness. Uh, The Vikings, I'd never seen this number before, but PFF said that the Vikings blitzed the Packers on 76% of Jordan Love's dropbacks. An absurd amount. Like for context, Minnesota entered that game, the highest blitz rate defense in football, but that was at 49%. So they went, they cranked that up several notches for that game. And Jordan Love's ability and protection up front helps, obviously, is a key part of that. But Jordan Love's ability to just make the adjustments at the line of scrimmage, to know where to go with the ball when the pressure's closing in. And I tweeted this out during the game. Tom Clements a couple of weeks back when asked, where's Jordan Love seen the greatest improvement in, in his eyes? And he said it's just his decision-making specifically when, all right, the pressure's closing in, knowing where to go to the ball, knowing where his outlets are. And that Vikings game was a clinic of exactly that because it's not as if, again, the offensive line held up well for the most part, but it's not as if he was back there with three seconds, four seconds. Like there was a lot of quick decision, quick timing throws. That's a quarterback who is completely confident, completely comfortable with what was taking place, knew what was coming, knew where to respond, and just an incredibly impressive performance on Jordan Love's part. Definitely. I mean, you highlighted some of the plays that we hit on on Chalk Talk. Like you said, the the, the mesh play underneath the shallow crossers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one in particular where Ballantyne got his interception. Just a great job. They looked so comfortable. And you, you said, you know, it's like, yeah, we've been doing this all year. The problem is they haven't, right? <laughs> so it was so good to see, man. It really was. And uh, 
I'm a big fan of zone coverage, and I know I'm in the minority with that. I feel like every other Packer fan on the face of the planet wants them to play man coverage and have Jai following all that. But, man, when your eyes are on the quarterback, it just creates so many more opportunities to, to get turnovers. And you may know if this is true or not. I'm kind of putting you on the spot. If you don't know, it's totally cool. But mm-hmm. just kind of looking back on the year and thinking of all – we did a chalk talk for pretty much every game this year. I can't think of one interception. We haven't had many, but I, I can't mm-hmm. think of one interception that we've gotten in man coverage. It seems like every one of them we were playing zone. Does that sound about right to you, or do you think that may be off? I think that sounds right, and I think because when they do play man, like we saw it against Carolina, like just because you're in man coverage, as as we all know, doesn't mean you're going to be up on the receivers, doesn't mean right. you're going to be challenging them. And I think just Barry's defensive play style is a product or – has contributed to why they do not have a ton of interceptions because they often aren't in positions to make plays on the football. Got it. Got it. All right. Um, we got the bears coming up here and this is going to be a good one. And I, I remember looking at the schedule when it released and thought, man, week 18 Lambeau going to be so cold, possibly the season on the line or the bears going to finally live up to expectations. Everyone, not everyone, many people were picking them to win 12, 13 games. Justin Fields going to be an MVP candidate, all these things. And it's like week 18 with the way this team is and the way it's built being the youngest going into the season. If we're just playing meaningful football into December, I'm going to be happy. If you had told me week 18, you're playing for a playoff spot. I would have been over the moon. And, and I'm just telling you, I'm over the moon. I'm so excited about this game. You know, maybe start with the injuries and then give us a few keys to the game. How do you see this one potentially playing out? Because this isn't the same Bears team that we faced in week one, is it? No, just like the Packers have progressed and are a completely different team. I mean, the Bears are to a degree as well. Five and two in their last seven. Last five games, the defense has held the opponents to under 16 points per game. And I know you can look at the the schedule to a degree, but nonetheless, they're they're out there executing. Over the course of the entire season, this has been one of the better run defense units in the NFL, and it's going to be a really interesting matchup given that Aaron Jones is back. He's at full full health, had over 20 rush attempts the last two games, has 247 rushing yards. I, I wrote an article about this matchup at Packers Wire. In the last two weeks, George or Jones excuse me, leads the league in, in rushing. He's got the most rushes of 10 or more yards. He's got the most or second or third most yards after contact. Like he's just been completely dominant. And to a degree, that's just Aaron Jones being Aaron Jones. But again, want to give a little credit to the offensive line, especially against Minnesota. I thought they did a better job of creating some alleys, some running lanes for him to take advantage of these these last few weeks. But bouncing to the injury report, you know, it looks like trending in the right direction, at least I'll say. I don't want to uh take a wild swing, but trending in the right direction. Looks like they might have their their full complement of wide receivers. Christian Watson, I, I talked to him in the locker room on Wednesday and don't remember his exact words, but it was he's feeling pretty good about being out there on Sundays. Uh, Jaden Reed said that the x-rays on his chest, the chest injury he suffered, came back fine. He's day-to-day, but feeling good. Dontavian Wicks was upgraded to a full participant in Thursday's practice. I mean, this would be the first time since week 13 against the Chiefs that the Packers have had all four of their top receivers. And, I mean, even this iteration of the wide receiver room is different than that. Like, there wasn't Bo Melton in week 13 contributing like he is now. 
that week 13 was a month ago, but this offense, even in that little span, looks way different than what it did even against the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of just an efficiency and execution standpoint, just how clean they look in going about their business. So seeing Jordan Love on the field with his full complement of receivers, a healthy Aaron Jones who's coming off two games where he's had 20-plus carries, and not to get ahead of ourselves, but Luke Musgrave. I mean, Matt LaFleur said there's a realistic opportunity for him to play this week. He's been limited in practice both days this week. Uh, he was limited all last week as well. And I wrote about just kind of the everything we're discussing right now, the general health of the receiver room, what that means for the offense. And you have to go all the way back to week 10, I believe was the last time that this entire group, those top four receivers, Aaron Jones, Luke Musgrave, were on the field at the same time. And I don't even, I can't, that Pittsburgh game, I don't know if you're sure if Jones was at, you know, full capacity. So Jordan Love has done a tremendous job just working through this season, regardless of who's on the field, being able to find success. It's a credit to the receivers, to the tight ends for stepping up into those roles when needed, but it's also a credit to Jordan Love for regardless of who is out there, going out there and executing. And he will go wherever is needed with the football as evidenced by, uh, and again, not to take away from Bo Melton's performance, but for him to be the first receiver over 100 yards, don't think anyone had that on their, on their bingo card, as they no. say. So just a tremendous opportunity to get an offense that's rolling right now, that's humming. And the name of the game in the NFL is to get to this time of the year and be playing your best football. Yeah. And the Packers on offense are doing that, and they're getting healthy too. Yeah. So I'm just really excited to see – what that side of the ball can do in this game. Again, if they if Jordan Love has that complimentary receivers, and I'll quick flip to the Bears, because like I said, they've been really, really good against the run, allowing just 3.7 yards per carry this season. They lead the NFL in interceptions. What they do a really good job of is just muddying things up over the middle. Uh, they're two linebackers, each have three interceptions apiece. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson's playing really well at the at the cornerback position. And so I think where the Packers might have to do a lot of their attacking in the passing game is going to be towards the boundaries. That's where the the Bears have been a little bit more susceptible from a defensive standpoint. And when you talk about playing a defense that's really good about muddying things up over the middle, having Christian Watson back is massive, even if it's you know not at full capacity because you get that speed on the field. And Jaden Reed talked about this. Um, in the locker room on Wednesday, like for him, like he can tell the difference in how the defense is defending just this offense in general when Watson's on the field versus when he isn't. Like you have to respect that speed. You have to respect that size. Spreads things out, creates more spacing, a little less uh, condensed shrinkage in the middle part of the field and more opportunities there. So getting Christian Watson back in this capacity is going to be really important. Good stuff, good stuff. As far as the defensive side of the ball, how do you think they match up against the Bears? Well, you know, I'm, I'm about to do a deep dive here in just a little bit. I uh, thought about doing a little mini chalk talk and break down some of their explosive plays. Um, you know, Justin Fields is playing better, obviously. I think we would all agree with that. Um, there's some that still refuse to believe it, and that's okay. I think that's part of that rivalry. But anyway, um, you know, obviously if you take his legs away, He's a totally different quarterback, but just seems like he's playing some of his best ball. I know PFF, you've seen an incremental, you know, improvement every single year. I think this year he's jumped roughly five overall points from last year as far as, you know, overall offensive grade. But uh, what do you think the Packers have to do to really to, to kind of 
put a hamper on their offense, if you will. I know their defense is playing solid, but what do you think they got to do there on defense? Yeah, the challenge that the Bears present is I, I think we all know that they're a team that wants to run the ball. I think in terms of rush attempts per game, they rank second or third in the NFL. But in terms of percentage of throws that go 20 or more yards through the air, Justin Fields ranks fourth. Uh, DJ Moore ranks second out of all receivers and targets 20 yards or more downfield. Like wow. they will take their shots, you know, when, when the opportunity is there. And so the stressor for the Packers in that regard is, you obviously you can't defend. You can't try to take away the run and try to take away the pass within the same play. You got to pick and choose. You got to be situational. And so that's going to be the real chess match, as Matt LaFleur always talks about from a situational standpoint, trying to, you know, be one step ahead and figure out what the Bears are going to do. You know, from my perspective, you know, especially if you're going to have Jair Alexander back, uh, Darnell Savage is back in the secondary as well. And just quick side note. I wanted to mention this during the Vikings portion of this. I don't, when we talked about how just kind of seamless everything felt in the secondary, I don't think that's a coincidence that Darnell Savage happened to be back. I know he's taken his lumps, been over, he can be overly aggressive, get out of position, the missed tackles, but from a communication standpoint, getting guys set where they need to be pre-snap. I mean, that's something that Matt LaFleur has complimented him on going back all the way back to OTAs. He's talked about it through training camp and into the regular season. And so I think that was really, really a missed aspect of all this with Darnell Savage being out. And so having him back there, I think what you want to do though, is if you're going to pick your poison, so to speak, and obviously it's going to depend on situation, so many other factors into it, but generally speaking in the game plan, from my perspective, I feel like you got to go out and try to slow the run right away. The Bears get things going on the ground, allows them to control the clock, put together longer sustaining drives, then sets up the opportunity for play action. Everything builds off of that run game for them. And so for me, if you can take that away, if you can put fields in this Bears offense in second and eights, third and tens, have the opportunity to truly pin your ears back, get after the quarterback, be a little bit more aggressive, bring some of those blitzes that we talked about last week. For me, I feel like that's where this really has to start for uh, for the Green Bay Packers defense. And again, whether it's Fields with the ball, whether it's Khalil Herbert at running back, um, I, th- I believe they've gotten some of the receivers involved as well and some of that uh, carries as well. So it's definitely going to be a challenge. And Packers run defense has been very up and down, but over the last four games, even during that really ugly three-game stretch, like I think we talked about it last week, like that was actually the part of this defense that was holding up well. Uh, Saquon Barkley up until the last drive was averaging under two and a half yards per rush. The yep. Bucks averaged under four. I think the Panthers averaged under four. You know, Minnesota in part because they were playing behind, and you know that's the benefit of complimentary football that you can hopefully achieve. Like they weren't able to get that run game going, so that part has improved. But as we all know watching these Green Bay Packers, that doesn't mean anything going week to week. So for me, that's where this this really starts and ends with them. How do they hold up against the scrambling Justin Fields? Because we talked about it last week with Jaron Hall. We've seen Justin Fields in week one, 59 yards. Justin Herbert, 73 yards. Tommy DeVito, 71 yards. Like Mobile quarterbacks have had success against this defense. So containing him, not letting Herbert go wild. Again, he's been one of the more efficient running backs in football as a ball carrier. So to me, that's where the challenge starts and ends. And on the back end, they have DJ Moore, obviously, uh, operating under the assumption that Jair Alexander is going to be out there. You let Jair go do what what we've seen so many times that Jair can do. 
And if there's some plays, if there's some drives where more, where fields, they beat you, they beat you with his arm. You know, the other team, you know, they're working to win too. They, right. they get paid to play this game as well. Sometimes you just got to tip your hat. But like I said, for me, it starts and ends with the run game. Got it. Got it. Control the run, control the clock, control time of possession. You control uh, the turnover differential. I think you're going to come out on top. Uh, before we let you go, Paul, since this is going to be the, the uh, you know, I guess going into the final week of the season, having you on, we're going to play a little game tonight. I'm going to show right. you a picture, and I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. All right, you ready? Here right. we go. <laughs> epic epic <laughs> what did you think man tucker craft still doesn't have a drop all year granted he's only i think he's had 38 targets mm-hmm. but this guy the game isn't too big for him is it man no we uh we had the opportunity to talk to him last friday so before the vikings game and asked him you know from week one to now improvement wise, where, where have you seen the most growth, especially over the last month, getting all these snaps. And the thing when you're interviewing or talking to Tucker Kraft, like he's going to tell you, he's going to tell you how it is. There is no sugar coat, nothing like that. So a great interview, but he goes, he's, he goes, it's night and day from where he was. And he was specifically referring to the run blocking aspect of things, but he goes, it makes me want to puke looking back at what I put on tape. And then that's out there in the NFL for other teams to see. So that in itself just tells you how far he's come. And Adam Stenovich today uh, was asked about Tucker Craft, and he went on, didn't mince words. He said he doesn't think there's anyone that works harder than Tucker Craft in terms of the preparation standpoint, the off the field, just getting himself ready every single day, every single week. And we are absolutely seeing that uh, just with his progression, you know, from the pass catching standpoints and the confidence is is absolutely growing, but really as a run blocker. And if they can have him and Luke Musgrave on the field together, uh, man, just really feels like sky's the limit, both in terms of, you know, what you can, the opportunities that they can create, the opportunities they can create for others. And for Matt LaFleur as a play caller, when you got two guys who can hold their own and are willing blockers at tight end, but can also go out and make plays in the passing game, Like we talk about, I know I use the word a lot, stressing defenses. Like that stresses defenses in terms of trying to figure out what the offense is doing. If you got a tight end who can run block and pass catch, like based on pre-snap alignments, there's not going to be a lot of tell if they can hold their own in both in both areas. And so that just, you know, brings keeps them off balance, just a lot of guesswork. And from Matt LaFleur from a play calling standpoint, just opens up so much for him in terms of what he can do, what he can dial up. So hoping we get the opportunity to see those two on the field together on Sunday. Cause like I said, it's uh it's gonna be really exciting. Just those those talents, those the skill sets that they have, all of it. Definitely I could I could see a formation too. I could see a set, a two by two set where you come out in the 12 personnel and flex both tight ends out. Like, I could see that being a possibility and really causing some mismatches. Uh, I'm excited to see them both get on the field consistently. Obviously, Musgrave can stretch the field with that physical ability. Tucker is just – it's like I said, the game's just not too big for him. Mm -hmm. Run a four-yard curl, catch the ball, and drag four people. It's like, all right, let's just keep moving the sticks. Uh, He had one of the highest first down percentages too, but I really liked what Steno said, and we'll let you go here. He's just talking about him being coachable. What did he say last week? I'd rather him stop – I'd like to see him stop hurtling people. And then what did we see? Bang, right here, first game. (laughs) He's just Mm -hmm. flattening people. So I think the the progression that he's had – shows the coachability that you just mentioned and the work ethic that Stenovich also referenced. Cause 
Stendhal also said that coming into the season from a technique standpoint, uh, he was, he was behind and in part it's coming into the NFL from Mm -hmm. college. It's also being at, you know, an FCS level school competition standpoint, obviously isn't the same as going up against the SEC, for example, things like that. So just that alone already puts you, you know, a little bit behind potentially and add in the difficulty of the transition at the tight end position specifically. And Stenovich said he was behind, but just where he is now, again, goes to that coachability and just work ethic that he puts in. You love to see it, man. Love to see it. Tell you what else we love to see is anything that you're putting together over at Packers Wire <laughs> and uh, Dairyland Express. Guys, make sure you go to Twitter. Follow Paul at Paul underscore Brettel. You'll see an article here where he's talking about the wide receiver room and trending up as being as healthy as they've been all year. I also tried to put the link in the comments. Hopefully the link attached. If it didn't, like I said, just go to his Twitter and find it. Paul, it's been an absolute blast talking to you this year. Um, uh, you know, you're welcome back again Thursday, and, and I'm hoping we'll have an extra week to talk if you can find the time, too. Maybe we'll be going into a, a wild card weekend. How cool would that be? But uh, Let's do it. Let's plan on it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead and speak it. We appreciate you, Paul. <laughs> um, always, man, it's a, it's a great conversation. Can't thank you enough and just appreciate your time. You have a great night, buddy. You too, Clayton. One of my favorite convos each week. Thank you. Right. See you, bud. Again, that was Paul Brittle, PackersWire.com, and Ross at Dairyland Express does an excellent job. Um Man, it's just been great talking to him all year long and hearing him kind of break things down from his perspective. Obviously, he's local right there in the Green Bay area, um, in the locker room constantly with the players. It's just... uh... We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. It's such a blessing to have him just take the time to talk to us every week. So um, it's Bears week. I know the chat is lit up. If you guys would hit that like button for us so other um, you'll boost the algorithm and help other Packer fans find this uh, this channel, find this content. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us this evening. Let's get things kicked off right here as we got Tim jumping in right in time. Bang, Tim. What's up, buddy? How you feeling? How we what's feeling? Uh, the same, but happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> he said the same. same. All right. We're gonna get you a, we're gonna get a daddy soda or two in you. But, oh man. Uh, I'll tell you what else will burn that out of you, that COVID this right here. I tried this one chilling that set my mouth on fire and I had to drink a two liter of Mountain Dew. 
I mean, that, that you're gonna have to translate that for me. I, I, yeah. He said two liter of Mountain Dew, right? Is that what he said? Well, that's the thing. I, I want I want to know people in the chat. Let me know. I'm gonna play it one more time. I need to know how you would spell how he says Mountain Dew. I'm I'm trying to figure out how he says it. Listen to the do here. I tried this one chili and it set my mouth on fire, and I had to drink a two liter of Mountain Dew. So I need the chat. I need you guys to spell that for me in there. In the meantime, Paul, or uh, <laughs> talking to Paul for 20 minutes. Tim, let's dive into a little bit of the Packers Bears rivalry. You want to watch a quick video Absolutely. and check out? Yeah, this is from. I mean, I'm, this is the very beginning of the Packers Bears rivalry. This is a part of the Packers Legacy documentary. You can find for free on their YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you go give it a like, spread it around. I, it's amazing to me. It's only got like a hundred and some thousand views, and I'm like, how in the world does this thing not have 50 million views? Because it is just the best football documentary ever made. Again, it's called Packers Legacy. It goes hand in hand with Cliff Crystal's book, The Greatest Story in Sports. Um, just an excellent book series there, or book set, I should say. But this is right after the Cardinals. It, it talks about the Chicago Cardinals, who later moved to St. Louis, and then I think they went to Arizona on down the road or whatever, whatever. however the franchise fell later on. But then it gets right into the Packers-Bears, talks about Papa Bear and uh, Curly Lambeau. Let's check it out, and then we'll get into kind of breaking down this game between the Packers and the Bears. Here we go. Town Green Bay for play-by-play -play reports. Fans that stayed behind, they could follow the game on what they called the grid graph. It had a wooden football that you could move back and forth. So a play would happen in Chicago. It would get relayed to Green Bay, and then they would move that football, whatever number of yards were gained on the play. So fans at Turner Hall could know what was going on down in Chicago just seconds after it occurred down there. Here's this little city playing in this big league, and they're holding their own. That's what drew people to the Packers. Hold their own, they do. Much to the chagrin of many teams, one in particular. Any Packer Bear game was bigger than any other game. Chicago with George Hallis. That was a step up for the Packers to be able to play them. November 27th, 1921. Several hundred fans in a makeshift band with 20 horn players and a handful of drummers descend on Chicago for the first Packers Bears football game. It wasn't out of George Hallis's fondness for the city, Green Bay, or anything. He needed to win, and he probably needed another gate. There were large contingents of Packer fans going down there. And they met at midnight at the Elks Club in downtown Green Bay, marched to the Chicago Northwestern Depot, caught a train to Chicago. They didn't get a wink of sleep. Stumbling off a midnight train, the self-proclaimed Lumberjack Band marched through the loop and out to Cubs Park, causing a ruckus along the way. It was just a regular band from around Green Bay, and uh, you know they'd play football songs and stuff like that. They drank all the way down to Chicago on the train, got off the train, and started marching through the loop, playing their instruments. They marched through several hotel lobbies, including the Packers. They dressed like lumberjacks, and it was a great band. The two first coaches, George Hallis, Curly Lambeau, they were players at the time. In that game in 1921, George Hallis scored the last touchdown for the Bears. They beat us pretty good that first game, 20 to nothing. But a rivalry was started. The Packers become the biggest draw on the Bears' schedule, as rivalrous as it is. Hallis and Lambeau really didn't care for one another. 
both George Alice, the founder of the Bears, and Curley were showmen, let's face it. And uh, they made it a point never to shake hands after a game. They were two ultimate competitors and wanted to beat each other so bad that they would do whatever it took. There's some misconceptions about George Hallis and how he was this great friend of the Packers. He was when it benefited his bottom line. He wasn't necessarily when it didn't benefit his bottom line. George and Curly Lambeau were entirely two different characters altogether. First of all, Lambeau was more a gentleman on the sidelines than most coaches. He got riled up once in a while. And over on the other side was old George Hallis, and he was an official baiter. He was always cursing him out. The biggest problem that the officials had with George Hallis, he wanted to follow the team down the field, clear down to the end zone, and they had a hard time keeping him on the bench. There are times he was a raving maniac. At first, Chicago really didn't want to come to Green Bay because the attendance wasn't going to be comparable to Chicago. By the mid-20s, George Hallis wanted them to come to Chicago and play there twice a season because they were drawing better than any other team that he was bringing in. Think about that, man. The Packers were drawing better than any other team that he was bringing in. And he was like, hey, you know what? These guys are a gold mine. They love football in the state of Wisconsin. Let's keep these guys coming back. Just pretty cool, man, to see how far the history goes back. To imagine Curly Lambeau versus Papa Bear Hallis on the field as players, Tim, God, I wish I had a time machine, bro. I would wouldn't you love to go back? And I, you see the old pictures from Hegemaster Park in Green Bay and how you could pull the car right up to the fence and people were sitting on the hoods of their cars yep. watching the game. Could you imagine, bro, what that would be like? I think it would be awesome. You're right. If we if we could turn back the the hands of time, man, just just one time to be able to experience that, right? The old old school era of football, man. Legends. You got to love it. And, you know, they're talking about how they, they kind of despised each other, right? Both Curly and, and Papa Bear. Later on, Papa Bear was still there when Lombardi took over. And when Lombardi took over, Lombardi would preach to his players that you've got to hate the Bears, right? You gotta, you're, you're not allowed to be friends with them, this and that. And in all reality, behind the scenes, Lombardi and Papa Bear were kind of friends and they didn't let the players know that and uh he actually you know the heating grid that's underneath lambeau field i know you know this damn you're a big green bay historian the heating grid that's under lambeau field lombardi actually purchased from george hallis's nephew which is pretty wild to think about so um different times but man just a it's just absolutely awesome and you know justin fields uh continued that rivalry today and uh he made a little comment i don't think it was too bad I'm trying to blow it out of proportion, Tim. I mentioned it earlier today because I want as much bulletin board material as possible. I don't want the Bears to sneak in here and, and, and think they're going to come in as underdogs and, oh, we're overlooking them at all. But Justin Fields took a little dig at Green Bay earlier. So let's uh, let's play the clip. You know, they're home field. Uh, I know their fans are going to be loud because there's not much to do in Green Bay except watch football. But um, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a great environment to us for us to play in and, uh, you know, hopefully – have a great game and get the double on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to do in Chicago, right? You know? Hey, hey, easy, easy now, easy, easy, Tim. What are you trying to say, Tim? Trying to figure out where your tax dollars went. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there it is. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, now there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot. Of tr- there were some really ugly things that Packer fans responded with today, and I'm going, oh, that's out of line. The taxes aren't. That's you know, I'm like, that's a little out of line. But then I'm going, 
it's true too. But Truth hurts sometimes, it, right? Sometimes it does. But uh, I love that Justin Fields is kind of embracing this rivalry. Uh, probably not going to be there next year, to be honest with you. I know the fans are chanting they get him back, but there's a good chance they'll take a quarterback with the uh, with the early pick. I know that was a big hit there in the uh, chat, Tim. The taxes comment for sure. You got everybody <laughs> cracking up. <laughs> Love it. Drew D said, Field's too busy doing stuff around the city of Chicago than to watch football. Eh, could could tune into a little more uh, a little more film, couldn't he there, Drew? But uh yeah, like what Reef says, we stay focused in Green Bay. They do, the players do, we don't. We're a bunch of knuckleheads listening to this stuff every day. But you know how it is. Yeah. Doug said, insert the rim shot with the symbol there. I like it. I like it. And we did get some answers from the Mountain Dew. All right. Let's go through them real quick. Are you ready? Chris N just says do, D-O-O-H. Chris, I got your email. I'm going to respond to you, buddy. Appreciate you reaching out. Um, Doug says, what is a tea leader of Mountain D? <laughs> Let's see. Margin Cron says Mountain Deer. Got the, got the W-R at the end. This one that looks a little French or something. Got the hyphen above it or whatever you call that. Do. Do. Part do. Do. <laughs> yeah. Same thing here, Mountain Deer. But I'm telling you, the one who got it, I, I, I cracked up at Tad. Tad said it sounds like old English. I love that. Mountain drool. This is my favorite. I think this one takes the day. Doug Pointer, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Durr. Durr, right? And then you couple that with uh, with someone that said, uh, I don't know about mate and do. This is a family program here, Chris. I don't know about mate and do, but um, yeah. And right here, let's see. Jim Tyson says, a turd leader of Mountain Dew. That yeah. might be it right there. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. We, we've got another finalist. I, yeah, I think if you take his and you remove the do part, a turn yeah. leader, a mountain, and then you add in that. I think there, there it is. There it is. You get the winner. You guys are going to split the prize. You know what the prize is? Absolutely nothing. Okay. But we appreciate you. Uh, Not a two liter of mountain deer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, Mike Hebring in the chat says Matt LaFleur is 9 and 0 versus the Bears. The Packers have scored 269 points in those games. The Bears, 150. The dominant fellas. I'll tell you what, I was looking at that today. I seen some of the stats coming across, and it's like, you know, you can look at it two ways, right, Mike? History, history says probably going to win by a couple scores. History also says, ironically, they're due one, right? So I don't know, man. It's uh it's robbery. This is their Super Bowl, man. This is their Super Bowl. Um, I think it's going to be a close game, and I think it's going to come down to exactly what Paul said. We got to stop the run, man. And we've done that here of lately, but we've also jumped out the leads for the most part, right? So that's going to play a big factor in it as well. So with the injuries, just a quick little recap from what we learned today. Rob Domoski tweeted out Packers coach Matt LaFleur on whether he it would be realistic for tight end Luke Musgrave to play Sunday, returning from his lacerated kidney. Quote, I'd say it's realistic, yes. Then he went on to say, also, LaFleur said it's the ankle, not the knee, that's kept Elton Jenkins out the last two days. Um, one thing I'll mention there, Elton Jenkins said, yeah, we're good to go. So Elton yeah. playing. So it's more the ankle than the knee. You guys know you've seen him get rolled up on that knee. So that's good news for the Packers there. LaFleur said there's concern about anyone who didn't practice uh, two days in a row, Preston Smith and A.J. Dillon among those in that category as well. And then he went on to say second straight day, for Christian Watson and all the wide receivers. Elton Jenkins missing his second straight day. Normally he gets Wednesdays off and goes Thursday slash Friday, so there's some concern there. Um, he has an ankle in addition to the usual knee. So 
Just wanted to kind of put that into perspective there as far as the injuries go. We're not going to rattle off the, the entire injury report. I had it on the screen while Paul was talking there for you guys earlier. Um, this was pretty cool. Matt Schneiman tweeted this out. Well, first of all, let me get you on the injuries real quick, Tim. Anything you want to add to the injury front there? Any Anybody you're more concerned about than the others? What do you think about what Paul said about the wide receiver room being as healthy as they had all year? be pretty cool to have all those targets back, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And he was spot on talking about Scoot, what that does, just having him on the field, even even just running routes. You know, he's going to get his targets, too, if he plays. You know, this is that time of year. It's do or die time, right? Like, if you can go, you're going to go. I think that's why Elton Jenkins probably made that comment that, hey, you know, we're good. I'm all right. I'm standing up. I'm going to play. Um, it's win or go home. Playoffs started for us weeks ago. So, um and I think as far as like, you know, A.J. Dillon is concerned, you know, kind of getting a, a step back there with that thumb and right on time, it looks like we're going to get Emmanuel Wilson back. Uh, I think he could probably contribute um, offensively for us. So, um, you know, really, it's like you said, man, it's going to it's going to come down to uh, who's really to, to, you know, grit it out. You know, if you can't go, you can't go. I would think uh, the one you want to be really careful with is Luke Musgrave, you know, the, the internal organ damage factor is super serious you know but when we're yeah. talking about uh you know ankles and knees and things like that that guys have dealt with off and on all year um i think these guys are ready to go lay it on the line for their teammates and uh get this win and get us into the playoffs i really do yeah definitely doug in the chat said the wide receiver tied in a running back group is going to look like an actual football team kind of weird ain't it doug I'm, I'm excited about seeing it and you know like people were pointing out in the chat too Aaron Jones has, has looked as, as good as he has all year long. He finally looks healthy. I'm really excited to see them get him 20-plus touches again. I think we'll see it. Um, you control that clock, control the time of possession, protect the football, get up to an early lead, and make Justin Fields play quarterback. That's the goal, right? If you let them play play from ahead, you're going to get a lot of that read option, get a, little, get a lot of that RPR action, get a lot of the scrambling ability, all that stuff. Um, it's hard to play bend but don't break when you're when you're down. Obviously, you get a little bit impatient and you want to yeah. start putting pressure on the quarterback a little bit more. So we got to be aware of that for sure. We got um, a no, sugar, man. We got to use some sugar. Absolutely. Um, is this the same quarterback that spoke earlier this season about thinking too much? Didn't he have that comment about I think I'm thinking too much back there? And we kind of laughed. And yeah. it's like, well, hey, let's give him something to think about then, you know. Exactly. Um and I'm with you, man. If we can stop that scramble and that that run game, I'll deal with the little 15, 20-yard shot here and there. We can survive that. But yeah, I don't think there's a Packer fan alive that wants to see us getting run all over the field again. So this D's yeah. got to step up for sure. No doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. Joe Barry spoke today, too, to the media. We got Emilio joining us now. What's up, Emilio? Matt Schneiman uh, tweeted out, Joe Barry on the defense playing well in Minnesota after recent criticism of his job. He's done. He said, quote, it was a great win for us. It wasn't a great win for me. I love that he pointed that out. Just uh, I think Joe always says the right things. I know people like to poke at him, but um, I thought that was a pretty cool quote that he let out there, just trying to put that shine back on back on the fellas. And then Ryan Wood tweeted out, Joe Barry on Jair Alexander. Quote, Jai's been phenomenal this week. He really has. It's still Jair Alexander. When you get him back in the building and back with the potential of the availability, it's great to have him here and with us back in the fold. So everybody excited about having Jai back. I thought it was cool that everyone welcomed him back with open arms, the coaches, the players, everybody. Um, it's going to be really a really cool story if indeed that does kind of straighten everything out and we get back to the old Jair 
and less talk and better play, that type of thing. I want him to continue to talk. I love I love his swag. I just don't like the whole backhanded comments in the locker room, you know, about whether it's the coaches or the offense or what have you. But Right. You still want to see him, you know, locked down, right, Clayton? We, oh, we can I, still do that all the time on the field, but let's just uh, – but I think he's I think he's squared away. Honestly, he, he he sounds like a, you know, made a mistake. Hey, everyone makes mistakes. Like Joe Barry said, everybody makes mistakes. Where you know you've grown up to this point now, you've made a mistakes, um, and it's just how you come back from it and how he approached it coming right out of that week is I think the way to do it. Didn't say anything when you went in there. Just go in there and go to work. Yeah, definitely, definitely. If you guys would hit that like button for us, so other Packer fans can find this channel find this content and boost the algorithm for us. We'd really appreciate it. Thank y'all for making us a part of your evening. Ken James in the chat said, them refs always cheating against the Packers with the thinking emoji. It always feels like that from the Packers perspective, right? Uh, Zane Strong says, I want Quay to spy fields every play. Maybe not every play, but here's the deal. What you've seen now is when you're playing double rat, right? When you kind of pinch those inside zones with your eyes on the quarterback, it works the same way as a spy. So that would say suggest zone defense right but last week what you seen with jaron hall was you seen a little uh what we call spy choice right cover one spy choice where it's just like a almost like a green dog blitz but instead of blitzing it's your main coverage on the running back if he stays at home and blocks then you turn it into a shallow spy i could see that taking place if there's one person on that field other than lucas van ness that can run justin fields down it's quay walker Mm -hmm. i just want one i want one just one and I'm not suggesting you try to hurt him, but I just want one play where Quay gets a full freaking head of steam and Justin waits just a second too long to get down. That's what I want, to make him think twice about scrambling with the football. That's what I want to see. Like you so said, it doesn't have to be a cheap shot. You wrap up and hit him in the chest, it's oh yeah. he's going to feel it. I mean, and, and when you're out of that pocket, Emilio, you can put every ounce of that body up. weight on him. All bets are off. Yeah, and and the the amount of weight that Quay is going to move in the short amount of time. Mm, yeah, it's one of those where you where you want the mic guy with the big disc on the sideline to just turn right to it so that you can hear it a little. You can hear the crack just a little bit more. Definitely. In the chat, bleeding green and ghost says, "I'm back." I see Emilio Deguara joined in. LOL. <laughs> I don't even know how to take that. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Thing? Yeah, I, it, yeah. Know about this I don't know because where's Deguara on the depth chart right now? Right, like yeah. definitely. Well, I'll tell you what, he's uh, he's down there in the basement right now. Still a team leader, but he's in the cellar, man. Uh, Mike in the chat says, "At Packers Total Access, hey guys, I love the channel. Today is my wife." And her boyfriend's anniversary. Can I get a shout out? <laughs> wow. What do you think, Tim? <laughs> it's a modern modern world we live in, guys. <laughs> I think he's joking, Tim, but uh, I had to read it. That sounds like something Michael Scott said. Would it, say. really, it did, man. Lincoln, don't start, dude. I get these dogs up here with me tonight. Mm-hmm. Mandy's out spending money and looking at Christmas lights before everybody takes them down. So I'm stuck up here with this beast of an animal. 103 pounds now. 103 pounds. He's still got about six months to grow. I don't know what I'm going to do. I wish I could get him on camera here. Hey, come here, boy. Can you get up here? No? No? I think I know who we want spying Justin Fields. Yeah. Hey, dude, he's got a he's got a right hook. He's using it right now. I've taught him how to paw where he'll just slap you, you know, slap fight with him. He just walks up and people will be having a conversation at Christmas and he just walks up and smacks right in the stomach, bro. It is hilarious. It's gold. You got to sit down, boy. All right, let's get to uh, 
let's get to some of the the breakdown, if you will, the tendencies. This is going to be rough. I may have to let y'all take over here in a second. Offensive personnel when it comes to the Bears, okay? Um, 11 personnel, 58% of the time, that is 26th highest in the league, okay? 12 personnel, they are 24% of the time, that's 8th highest. 21 personnel, 11% of the time, that's 7th highest. So uh, as far as the EPA ranking for this offense out of those personnel groupings, 11 personnel, they are 16th in EPA, 12, they are 17th, and 21, they are 19th in EPA. So let's go around the horn here real quick. I'll start with you, Emilio. Um, you're going to see you're going to see a lot of base defense from the Packers, right? Mm-hmm. Which is you're going to that means you're going to have one more extra 300 pounder on the field. OK, I'm going to run these dogs outside. I want you guys to talk about that from their offenses perspective as far as that personnel goes. Um, you start, Emilio. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. So looking at it here, I, I think that the three, um, you know, the, with the way the defense is set up, we got. You know, Quay there in the center, uh, and um, the having having those three big defensive linemen there in the center is going to really slow down the run, right, Tim? And then <clears throat> what we're going to have is uh, not all those defensive backs back there. The run defense has been solid as we've been moving forward. So the I'm hoping that being able to stay in our base where we think that we've been more efficient on defense uh, actually helps us here you know, going into this this matchup with the Bears, even though they have been, you know, kind of successful with the run team. Um, what do you think there, Tim? I agree 100%. I mean, you know, I don't – I'm not big on letting teams come in and just win on reputation, you know. They got to execute. Right. Let's line up, play our game, um, trust our guys to be where they need to be. We're, we're coming off a really good defensive performance ourselves here last week. So, um, yeah, I feel confident about that. And uh, also, though, you know, once – you know, we get to that point if we are, you know, kind of creating problems for them in the in the run game. We've got to be ready for the adjustment. You know, mm-hmm. we've got we've got to be ready if they're going to switch things up. Um, yeah. This it's true. It's their Super Bowl. You know, they want to beat us so bad. <laughs> we want to get into the playoffs so bad. Um, you know, all bets are off in this game. So um, if something works for a while, doesn't mean it's going to work all game. You know. And right. uh, you got to be got to be willing to adjust. But I think you're right, man. I mean, if we can play sound fundamentally in our base, we should we should be able to hang with them. Um, uh, but you, like I said, you got to make these guys earn it. You know, mm-hmm. you got to execute. That's yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how the base defense steps up, you know, because like I said, these are two different teams. I know people like to rag on the offense, the Bears offense, as if they're just absolutely hot garbage. I understand it's a rivalry, but we also need to be factual in what we're reporting. And when I hear people talking about, oh, they're, they're hot garbage, they stink, I'm going, no, nah, they're not. I mean, they're kind of middle of the pack. I don't think that's hot garbage. Justin Fields is improving constantly. So, um, you know, go, jumping five points from last year, according to PFF, I mean, I, I really think that's significant. Right. So I think you got to go back and watch the tape. That's going to be my goal tomorrow if I can find time. I want to watch the first matchup and kind of look at, okay, what did we do to stop them the first time? And here's the problem. Here's why it's so difficult to beat the same team twice in the same year. Because you're going into that, that game going, okay, we beat them pretty handily. I remember that game, right? There was every, We were so confident coming out of that game because everybody was nervous, like, man, we I do not want to lose to the Bears in Chicago week one, right? Yeah. And you go in there and you take care of business. So from the coach's standpoint, they're looking at, let's say, from the defensive game planning room. Matt LaFleur's in there with Joe Barry and the rest of the crew, 
and they're okay. What kind of game plan are we putting together? You look up and you go, okay, here's what we did in the first matchup, and it went really well. Do we continue to do that? I think most people would say, yeah, until they prove they can beat it, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what they're game planning towards? They're game planning to beat your game plan that worked last time. That's why sometimes the second time through, and especially the third time through, if you beat a team twice and then you face them in the playoffs, it is so hard to beat them that third time because you're you're so tempted to go, let's just keep doing what was working. And if that's the case, then they're one step ahead of you with the game plan. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that unfolds. What we're going to do is continue to hit on the personnel, the identity and all that um, here with the Bears. And then tomorrow we'll do a full PFF preview where we actually have the player grades. But let's move on to offensive identity for the Bears, okay, just to kind of give you guys an idea of what they're doing this year. This is from the 33rd team using SIS data, okay. So they're in shotgun 76% of the time. That's 11th most in the league. Their EPA ranking is 19th in shotgun. Under center, 24% of the time. That is 22nd most in the league. EPA is 12 is their EPA ranking. Motion, they use motion 57% of the time. That's eighth highest in the league. Their EPA when using motion is 24th in the league. Okay, so you see the success rate go down when they use motion, even though they're using a ton of it. might be why they get a losing record. I'm just saying. No motion, 43% of the time, no motion. That's 25th highest. When they use no motion, their EPA ranking goes up to eighth in the league. So they're top 10 in EPA with no motion. Gap run, 27% of the time they're running gap scheme. That's 26th most in the league. That's 11th in EPA. Pretty good. Borderline top 10, right? Zone run, 73% of the time. That's 7th highest in the league, and their EPA is 7th. So that shows you whether they're playing gap or zone, they're running the ball really, really effectively, right? Play action, 26% of the time. That's 10th most in the league. EPA is 20th, so their play action not quite as effective. Drop back game, 74% of the time they're playing drop back. That's 23rd most in the league. Their EPA is 24th. It's almost like they've got a running back playing quarterback. Uh, Versus man coverage, 22% of the time they face man coverage. That's the uh, 25th most in the league. Their EPA against man coverage, 6th. I wonder why, if their running running game is is grading out so well, right, and their EPA against man coverage goes up to 6th, could it be that man coverage is extremely vulnerable to the running game and especially – a scrambling quarterback who likes to run a lot of zone read. It's exactly what we've talked about. Versus zone, 60% of the time, I believe, is that number? Yeah, if I can see it correctly. 60% of the time they're in, they're facing zone uh, coverage. That's 14th most in the league. Their EPA goes all the way down to 26th in the league. So you know where my vote's at there. Right. Versus the blitz, 31% of the time. That's second most in the league. So they've been blitzed second most in the league. I guess we're the first one, if I remember correctly, some of the analytics we've seen. So they're being blitzed second most in the league. When you blitz Justin Fields, their EPA drops all the way down to 28th. So what, what you're checking these boxes right now. You're going a lot of zone, a lot of zone blitz, right? Under pressure, 41% of the time they're under pressure. They've been under pressure third most in the league. Their EPA is at 21. They're 21st in EPA when being pressured, short drop game, 47% of the time, that's 29th most in the league. Their EPA is 27th, and then deep drop is 25%, and the percentage rank there is 17th, and the EPA ranking for deep drop game is 24th. So, Tim, as we look at those numbers, man, the thing that pops out to me, 
Let's focus on what they do good and stop it. Let's make them play left-handed, right? Right out of the gate, what do you see? When they're playing with no motion, their EPA is eighth. So they, you might not see as much motion as they as they have shown all year long because they've got access to the same data. Gap run, 11th. Zone run, 7th. So just you've got a game plan to stop the run, period, case closed. And then the other thing they do really well is they, they play their EPA against man coverage is 6th. Let's just stay in zone all freaking day long. It probably explains to him why we had so much success early in the season, you know? Oh, I agree. You know, like we talked about this uh, this morning, right? You know, the idea that just being in zone means you're being soft is just ridiculous. Um, you got to do what is going to bring you success defensively. So, yeah, I agree with you, Clayton. Cool. What do you think about it, Emilio? I see your I see your message there too, buddy. Yeah, the uh, with <clears throat> with man, I don't know why we want to try to keep diving into it. We've seen us get roasted on it time and time again on those explosive plays. It almost always happens in man. It's going to happen in zone for sure. And eventually in zone, you're going to play man. So it's just, you know, start of the play sort of thing where we're at. I think that just keep letting them play. Uh, Like Paul was saying, um, Paul was saying about Valentine, Valentine being able to just prepare if these guys prepare and they're, you know, they're they're getting set up. They know what they're doing. They're studying the books. They're showing up on the field and they're practicing well. This they said, what's a fast Friday? This has got to be their best fast Friday of the year. And I, I think that um, putting them in a, in a good situation to win uh, would be putting them in zone, uh, especially against a team with that EPA. They're the 26 in the league. Yeah. And what I'm seeing a lot of here is cover three zone blitz. Right. Yeah. That's what you're going to be seeing. Now, what did we do against Jaron Hall? You kind of – you allowed the – when you were in your base, which we should be in a lot of base, right, you're in your 34 jam look, what we did against Jaron Hall was you had the defensive ends line up a little bit wide. On one side of the field, you had a, a five-tech. On the other, you had like a four-eye. And they rushed straight up the field to keep Jaron Hall in the pocket. And then you brought the outside linebackers on what we call a double-wide TE stunt back into the middle of the field. So if Justin Fields tried to step up in the pocket and scramble, you basically got Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary right there in his face. If he decides to step up in the well and try to throw the ball, then guess what? You've got two of your tallest defenders with arms in the air blocking the throwing lanes. So I think you're going to see a lot of 34 jam look with zone blitz involved. Um, Mm -hmm. In that case right there, that's bringing five with a little, like I said, a little double wide uh, TE stunt. In some cases you may – Drop. I'm going to say it. People are going to get upset. In some cases, you may drop Preston Smith out and fire an inside linebacker to create confusion. Right? There's nothing right. wrong with that. And and that D line, Clayton, like you're saying, they they have to contain too. We can't just be going, uh, you know, going hair on fire, kind of not not picking a lane. You're getting over. You're tripping over your your buddy. There's a difference between a stunt and you know just going crazy. And yeah. uh, they, they just kind of got to stay on track there. Absolutely. Mike Wall 101, right, Tim? How you arrive at confrontation determines how you handle confrontation. That's Gotta right. Got to play under control. Got to play under control. All right, let's move on to the Bears' defensive identity, okay? Here we go. They're in base 23% of the time. That's 13th most in the league. Their EPA while in base, fourth. Now, I know you've got some podcasters out there right now saying, oh, their defense ain't that good. They are top five in EPA out of their base defense, according to SIS. So this is nothing to shake a stick at. Nickel, when they're in nickel, 73% of the time, that's eighth most in the league, their EPA drops down to 14th. What does that tell you? Let's show some 11 personnel. It just so happens that's what we're good at mm-hmm. as well, right? 
So they're in dime three percent of the time, um, which is you know obviously six DBs. We showed a little dime that last game, a little more than than we we uh, have in the past. Um, their three percent in dime is twenty fourth in the league. Their EPA drops all the way down to twenty six. It looks like gap run. They play gap run thirty six percent of the time. That's twelfth uh, most in the league, and they've got the second highest EPA against gap run schemes. So keep that in mind. Zone, 64% of the time they face the zone run. That's 21st most in the league, and their EPA is at 11th. They've got a really good run defense. This is shaking up like, okay, we might be smacking our head against the wall trying to run the ball here. That's possible with how they're playing here of lately. Now, maybe LaFleur and his staff have seen something that's going to shake loose and free up that running game. I'm not suggesting you come out, go five wide, and not run the ball at all. I'm just saying the numbers are showing, the EPA rankings are suggesting Probably want to pass a little bit in this game. Man coverage, 19% of the time they have uh, played man coverage. That's 26th highest in the league. Their EPA is 24th when they're playing man, but they're barely playing it at 19%. Okay, They're in zone 64% of the time. That's 11th most in the league. Their EPA in zone is 6th in the league. So you're seeing how – I mean, they're, they're an effective defense. Right. Three rushers, only 2% of the time. That's like, what, 26th or 28th most in the league. Their EPA is not. Now, here's where you get into kind of the rushing game right here, like as far as how many rushers you're going to bring. Four rushers, 77% of the time they only bring four. Okay, so they're bringing four 77% of the time. That's 11th most in the league. Their EPA is sitting at 21st. When they bring five rushers, it's 17% of the time. That's 21st in the league. Their EPA is 17th. Six-plus rushers only 4% of the time. So we just faced a team that loved to bring six-plus rushers, and now we're facing a team that's doing it 20th most in the league. So significantly less. Their EPA is at 27th. That's probably why they're not doing it. When they pressure the quarterback, it's 33% of the time they get pressure on the quarterback. That's 22nd in the league. Their EPA is 29th when they get pressure on the quarterback. What does that tell you? Their secondary isn't holding up when they pressure the quarterback, right? Something to think about. Mm-hmm. Now, middle field close 43% of the time, middle field open 42% of the time, pretty much split right down the freaking middle. What is their percentage ranking? 18th in middle field close. It's 15th in middle field open. Their EPA for middle field close, 11th. Their EPA for middle field open, 11th. So you're going to see a good balanced look of middle field open, middle field close. This sounds just like the Vikings. Remember, we were talking about that. You're going to see both looks post-snap. Once once the, the defense has settled into place after the ball is snapped, you're going to see an even amount of single high and two high. That's basically what that means. Single high is middle field close, two high is middle field open. So you're going to get a good balanced look there. When you look at what they do well, they're playing the run really, really well, right? What are they doing bad? When they're in their nickel, their EPA drops down to 14th. When they're in dime, it drops down to 26. I'm really, really, really tempted here, boys, to say, you know what? Maybe we break out a little 10 personnel. The problem with that is you got to take Tucker Craft off the field, and we just don't see Matt LaFleur do that, right? That's right. just something that might be there, though. And but, it, if, but if all those wide receivers are back, maybe that's a possibility. Just once in a while. He doesn't have to do it all the time. He could dabble in it. But, but to your point about the uh, middle field opening close, split down the middle, Love's got to just be reading that. He's got to have a good game reading the reading the secondary, but there probably won't be as much sugar in as there was from the Vikings, just because they're not 
you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten on the line before before the play, and then you know, drop center field with with the middle linebacker. So um, I think that it'll uh, it'll be a big pass blocking game for the offensive line. Show up when the four are in front of you, and uh, Jordan Love's got to read that defense. Yeah, for sure. Omer in the chat said they have like eighteen takeaways in the last six games. Got to protect the football. Mm-hmm. Got to protect the football. No doubt about it, man. Um, Let's see here. Bleeding Green and Ghost said, it's just another team. We got this, right? <laughs> hey, listen, all bets are off, man. All bets are off on rivalry games for sure. Tim, what do you got to add to this, man, as far as those tendencies uh, with uh, with their defense and, and their defensive identity? How do you see this one shaking out, man? It's uh, it's kind of it's kind of tough to game plan around. Again, you know, you, you want to try to stay out of 12 personnel, in my opinion, because they're so good at playing base, unless you just get a really good week of practice like Emilio and you were talking about earlier. I don't know, man. This is uh, looks like it's going to be a tough haul for the running game to get going, especially with their offensive line struggling to, to run block, man. I say the same thing I said earlier. I, I don't care about their rep or their are these numbers. Run the ball on first down. Make them believe you're going to run the ball. If, commit if to we're, it, right? Yeah, yeah commit to the run, right. man. Yeah, don't sit committed. there. Oh, they have a good run D, so I guess we can't run the ball. We have Aaron freaking Jones playing the best ball Woo, he's played on, all Tim. year. Okay, mm-hmm. we got. Uh, a young Emmanuel Wilson probably back in the fold here who has been nothing but explosive every time he's seen the field, whether it's preseason or during the season. Um, make them earn it. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of them. I'm not. And I don't think these boys are either. Yeah, but I tell you, though, we do have a tendency to get the aw shucks mat sometimes. Well, oh, well, you know, they stuffed us a couple of times. I guess we can't <laughs> run anymore. It's like, right. well, that's not, that's a recipe for disaster. So I, I think whether or not, you know, yeah, you're probably not going to average 10 yards a carry against the Bears D. Okay. Average three or two. Right. right. Run the ball, keep them right. honest, and then take yep. your shots. That, that's how I feel. Mistakes, right. And committing to that run, Tim, keeps that clock moving. Yep. And that's, that's the name of the game. We got to score points. We got to get the clock wind down from the 60 minutes to zero. And what's the score at the end of the game? That's all we're worried about. And getting through this practice, flying down there real quick, little hop, and then time to go. Yeah, man. You can lull them to sleep, so to speak, and then set up that play action bomb. You know, like if you're going to just throw the ball on first down, throw the ball on second down. Yeah. And then, oh, look, it's third third and six. Guess what? We're throwing again. The whole world knows that. We've seen that before. We cannot afford to get into, into that. So, you know, and hey, maybe get creative with the run game, you know, let's, let's run outside the tackles here. You know, yeah. we know we run in between the tackles has been a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to bang your head against a brick wall, but you, they got to believe you're going to run for, for, for this offense to click. So. Yeah. i tell you one thing that sticks out to me last year. Remember Christian Watson, the famous picture of him with his arms up in the end zone that was on an end around. So mm-hmm. get them really keying in, in between the tackles, you might be able to gash and- them watch with Jaden Reed, right? Been a couple games since we've seen uh I mean, you know, when when did Jaden Reed hammer those those end rounds? Was it three games? Yeah. Three, right. games, it has been games. So it's been a it's been a game or two. He's he's giving it off. We still look at the saturation, but still maybe one slips by, they don't pick up the motion or something and bam. Yeah, for sure. Bleeding Green and Gold says we beat their run by getting up by 14. Very well said. Very well said. And you know, here's the thing too, man. You go into that game, everything on the line, playoffs on the line oldest rivalry in the game, what a what better way to put a cherry on the top 
than running right at their strength. Yeah. And just and just smacking them in the mouth. How yeah, cool. You're in that? our building. You're coming into our house. Well, mm-hmm. we're supposed to bow down to you. Chris Ian said, what about a tight end in around with Tucker Craft busting caps? Dude, I'd be all about it. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Tucker out there in that C gap and watch that nickel go, <gasps> Tuck <gasps> Norris. Yeah, Tuck Norris in the house. You, oh man, I'm so far. I can't wait for this game, man. Cannot wait. All right. Let's go around the horn one last time. Milio, you go ahead. Since Tim was just uh, sharing his, we'll give him a, a chance to refresh. He's over battling the the sickness. He he said, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. I know no, I missed him. Don't get down with the sickness. But anyway, Milio, what you got, buddy? I said I missed him. I'm glad he's feeling glad he's feeling better. Um, glad glad he's back. <clears throat> but the the team, man, like Tim, show up. And that, that's what my man Tim did. He showed up. That's what we need this team to do here Sunday. And I think that they had a good practice. I think that they will they will show up. They know they've been saying it for weeks now that it's you winning you're in, winning you're in, winning you're in. If that's hammered into your mind, just keep going. Like even if you take this win, you get into the playoffs, winning you're in, just keep going. It's one game at a time. You can't look to the future. You can't um, you know, change what happened yesterday. Let's look let's look ahead to tomorrow and you know, no rear view for this team. And they're just they're only they're only getting better as long as they just don't look back. Got all the momentum in the world for sure. Sam H. in the chat said, Jones always kills Chicago. They're loving your game plan, Tim. Um, the thing that sticks out to me, too, remember that Texas route, that Texas yeah. choice route that he took to the house? How cool would it be if they gashed him with the same exact play? Mm. That would be absolutely awesome. And, you know, the reason being is they play a lot of zone. Those guys sit in that zone, right, and it's okay, read, read, read the first move. His first move looks like a shoot route, break. He breaks your ankles to the house with a Texas Mm-hmm. Um, this might be a big game for Jonesy. Not, not that the last one wasn't. I mean, my God, 120 rushing yards. You just absolutely went off. But, Tim, what do you got parting thoughts, buddy? Um, just go pack go, man. I'm fired up. Ready. It, sick as a dog, but I don't care, man. I'm ready to go. I'm <laughs> showed up. lose my voice as soon as I get it back. I don't care. Um, <laughs> there you go. But uh, I, I'll tell you, Jordan Love was asked earlier this week about, you know, ending our year last year at home with a tough loss uh, to a team that uh, – you know, was playing to knock us out of the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he, he basically responded, I'm paraphrasing, but he, he said, we got all the, we're not thinking about last year. We, we got all the motivation in front of us for this year, you know, mm-hmm. when and we're in. And that's what everyone on this team is trying to do. So I think that's where you want your head. And as fans, that's where our head should be. Let's stay focused on the ball and not the, uh, not the theatrics and um, get ready for a heck of a game. Uh, 325 kickoff Sunday at Lambeau Field. Be chilly. Gonna be chilly, Tim. Mm-hmm. All about it, man. I think they said there's like a 15% chance of flurries. Maybe the mm-hmm. maybe the football gods will be like those well, a little extra down there. Blow right? some of that uh from Arians Hill. We can just blow that right yeah. over <laughs> into the into Lambeau. Crank that snow machine right over the ball. <laughs> right. I like it. I like the way you think. <laughs> Robert Allen in the chat said, you don't have to worry about fields if you can sustain long drives and score touchdowns. Let's go. Huh? Took it down. Same. <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here. I want to give a quick shout out really, really quick. I want to thank BetUS for becoming the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. We appreciate them supporting us and what we're doing. If you guys want to support the channel in another way and it costs zero dollars, you click on the link in the description of this video here on YouTube. That will send you directly to BetUS where you can register for free. That's right, for free as a customer. And because you did that using that link, it tells BetUS that Packers Total Access Live sent you to them. 
So we would greatly appreciate appreciate that. When we looked at the early line, I didn't get it updated. I'll update it in the morning, but it opened up as the Packers at three point favorites. And you know, opening up early numbers, 87% of the cash was on Chicago at plus three, 68% of the tickets was on Chicago at plus three. Okay. Now remind me to I'll just go ahead and say it. They basically voted or they did they used analytics to determine who is the uh I, I don't think they said stupid, but most unintelligent fan bases in the gambling community, Chicago Bears were third. <laughs> so when you look at this cash and these tickets, I kind of grin and go, eh, there you go. All right. Maybe, maybe there is something to that voting or that that uh that little poll they did or whatever. But anyway, when you go to the money line, um, which is just winning outright. 53% of the cash is on Chicago. 57% of the tickets are on Chicago there as well. The over-under looked like it opened up or was planning or was uh, banking on open up at 44 points. So, um, yeah. Tim, maybe that's where all that tax money is going up there, man. What do you think? I don't know, bro. Just... <laughs> Did you hear that comment earlier? Yeah. <laughs> Put it on the ticker. Yeah, that's another one for sure. You got plenty to do in Chicago, like trying to figure out where your tax dollars are going. I'm just, <laughs> man. So, all right, guys, we're out of here. We appreciate y'all all hanging out with us. Want to give a special thanks to Paul Brittle. Everybody listening to my voice, if you're on Twitter, do me a favor. Go to Twitter and follow Paul Brittle, at Paul underscore Brittle. He's one of the most underrated follows in all of Twitter. Um, if you guys were looking for uh, Tim's uh, Twitter handle from earlier today. Um, if you go to er this morning's Good Morning Lambo, he actually put it on there at the end, didn't you, Tim? Am I thinking right? So they can find it right there. But yeah. uh, you can also, uh, like I said, you can you can find him on my Twitter page as well. But uh, make sure you go give him a follow too. Emilio is not as active on Twitter. He's kind of a Twitter snob, you know. He's just like, get these people out of my life. I don't need them. So no. anyway, he's down here shooting guns in Tennessee. He ain't worried about the Twitter. <laughs> part, you know what I mean? So anyway. All right, we're out of here, guys. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go Pack Go. It's the power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense. Yes, a YN or a tight end to open up somewhere between six feet and nine feet to get an isolation with the, with the linebacker. Tell the tackle to take the defensive end if he's over him. If he's not... To drive down on the first man to his inside. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker here, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley. 